Coach Corey Wayne, and this is my video coaching newsletter. And the topic of today's newsletter is going to be similar goals and values. Well, this is something that I talk about a lot. And I've got an email here from a woman I've been coaching her off and on for the past, I guess, three or four years probably. And so she sent me, I got two emails from her. One, the second email came in about a month or so after the first one. And she's got this boyfriend that she is now living with, her boyfriend of five whole months that she moved in together. And it seems to have turned out that he's a bit of a hoarder. There's some friction starting to happen. The relationship and her attraction for him is kind of up and down like a roller coaster. And when you look at the email and you see what's going on between the two of them, she even sent me a picture showing what the house looks like and his just all of his pile, all the crap that he's got just all thrown in one pile just to illustrate some of the things that are really bothering her. So what I liked about this email is just this is something that all of us – and this, this is something that applies not just to your intimate relationships but to your friendships, to p- people that you potentially go into business with, people that you hang out with because you are who you associate with. And so it's a good email because remember, human beings, we tend to buy things and make decisions based upon emotions and we use logic and reason to justify their purchase. And so as you see, as I go through the email, obviously she was really digging this guy and we, we all do it. I mean, we all, I mean, even I still do it. It, it happens. You, you, you want to see the best in other people. You want the best for them. And a lot of times, especially when you care about somebody, you just start noticing little little things here and there in the beginning, like, oh, it'll be okay, no problem, that's not such a big deal. And then it later turns out it really is a big fucking deal. Because I think everybody either I mean everybody watching this video, either it's happened to you personally or you know somebody that it's happened to where you tend to stay in relationships longer then you should. It's like you get to a certain point and you realize eh, this really shouldn't last more than a few dates, a few weeks, a few months. And But unfortunately, most of the people that we're surrounded by in society, it's like when they get to a point and they start to hate their job or it sucks or it's not as fun as it once used to be, they don't do anything about it. They talk about it. They bitch about it. They complain about it. And that process of complaining about their job or their shitty relationship, or their shitty financial situation, that eventually becomes part of their story. And remember, people will behave consistently with how they view themselves to be. Because human beings, we have six needs. And those six needs are the need for certainty, the need, in other words, knowing that you're going to have a roof over your head, be able to put food on the table, pay your bills, that's certainty. Variety, in other words, different things happen in life. You don't want the same thing every day. You don't want to eat the same meal every day for all two or three meals that you're going to eat day in and day out. You like to have some variety. The third human need is love and connection. In other words, one of our basic human needs is we need to bond and connect with other people. And the fourth is significance. In other words, you want to feel Human beings have an innate desire and need to feel like we're important, that we matter, that our lives matter to the world, to ourselves, to other people. The fifth human need 
is growth, spiritual growth. It's growing, self-development, growing as a person, stretching beyond your comfort zone. And the sixth human need is contribution, contributing, doing things for other people. And interestingly enough, when you focus on need number six, which is doing things for other people, which essentially all of us are in the business of doing things for other people, even if you work for somebody else. The bottom line is you're trading your gifts, your skills, your talents, and your time for dollars. And so everything we do, when you look at it from that perspective of the six human needs, we're all doing things to meet those six human needs. And the more of the, if we, if three or four of those needs are met consistently with something, it becomes an addiction. And also means it can become unhealthy, which you'll see here in this particular woman's email. It's really kind of an unhealthy relationship and really should have never gotten to the point where they were actually living together. Because she still really wasn't out of the honeymoon phase. And because you remember, just like I talk about in my book, you really, people can not hide who they are for the first 90 days of a relationship. So for the first three months, you're like in la-la land. You don't really know what you got and what they're like day in and day out. And in this particular case, she saw really quick what this guy was like once she moved in with him. And that woke her up really fucking fast. So the idea is to weed these, get better at weeding these kind of people out so you don't – I mean because moving in, you sign a lease. I mean there's a lot of things that can really be a pain in the ass to get out of if you really haven't thought it through and taken your time and you allow yourself just to get totally blinded by your emotions. So I have a quote that I wrote on this topic and I want to go through her emails and the quote says – it is said that we become like the five people whom we spend most of our time with. You are whom you associate with. If you want to become successful and rich, you should spend your time with people who are goal-oriented, driven, focused, and way more financially successful than you. People who are more successful than you tend to pull you up to their level. People who are less successful than you tend to pull you down to their level. That is why the overwhelming majority of people who grow up in poor neighborhoods tend to spend their whole lives being poor. Reaching your full potential is incredibly hard, takes decades to accomplish, and is the result of breaking big goals down into small, easily achievable daily goals. Think of your peer group like your team. If you want to be a winner, you must surround yourself with winners. Unfortunately, if you surround yourself with losers, you will become a loser yourself. It's your choice. Choose wisely. And interesting enough, talk, talking about people that are really poor, it's like they the government governments have done studies and they realize when they put people together in like government housing, you're putting a lot of people together in a small area who have remember they all have they're basically in that position they have similar goals similar values they have a similar outlook in life and think about it if all your if everybody you know is on government assistance and they have no desire no motivation to do anything beyond collecting government handouts if you will and you want to make something of yourself maybe you want to go to college or you want to get a degree or you want to build a business on the side You've got all these people around. It doesn't mean they're bad people. It just means if you want to grow beyond where you are and get out of that 
particular situation and make something of yourself in your life, think about it. What what do the people day in and day out like in those neighborhoods? When you're like, oh man, I got to study. Like, oh, come on. You can do that later. Let's go hang out. Let's go play video games. Let's go have a beer. Let's go smoke a bowl. Let's go watch some football. Let's go play some football on the street. Let's go do something. Like, oh, okay. And when you're just surrounded by people where they're always putting things off that they should be doing, that's what happens. If you're surrounding yourself with people that are more successful than you, when you feel like being lazy yourself, they're like, come on, man. Let's go to the fucking gym. Get off your fucking ass. Let's go. Let's go, flabby butt. Let Get your ass in there. And they'll say things like that. Or if you're like, ah, oh, I feel like... I don't feel like doing any more work. Like, come on, man. Just another fucking hour. You can do it. I mean, it's just a night and day difference. You are who you associate with. So with that in mind, let's go through her email. She says, hey, Corey, I just moved in with my boyfriend of five months. That's really quick. And I started to notice some behaviors that bother me. He started to snap at me quite a bit. Normally I call him out on it but I thought, well, he just started a new job and he has an hour-long commute. I thought it was stress but the other night he snapped at me again for no reason and apologized. What bothered me was when he said, you'll learn to just leave me alone and walk away, I thought, what the fuck? So one of the things to keep in mind as a woman you have to understand about us guys is that guys tend to – we solve our problems by thinking about them, by going to the man cave, going to our favorite watering hole, going out to the tool shed or the garage and just chilling out and being by ourselves and thinking things through in our heads and women tend to be the exact opposite. They solve their problems by talking about them and working through them and if you're a woman – a best way to, to ask your guy when you want to get him to talk about something if he's upset about something is just say, do you need time alone in the man cave? You want me to just leave you alone for a while? And he'll, he'll say, yeah, I just want to kind of be alone for a while. I got some things I want to think about and ask him that instead of expecting him to drop what he's doing and have a conversation or you thinking you're being helpful by getting him to talk about things because again, us guys – when it comes to solving problems, we need time alone in the man cave, in the bat cave to think about it. And if you interfere in that, it's definitely going to piss us off. And a lot of women, most women don't tend to understand that. Sometimes guys just need time alone. And it's just the opposite. If you're a guy and your woman's upset, you have to get her to talk about it because, in, but without trying to solve her problem. Because if you try to solve her problem, then she's going to get pissed off and tell you that you're not listening to her. And you're like, what the fuck are we – I've been sitting here for an hour listening to you. What are you talking about? What she's trying to communicate to you is that she needs you to facilitate her talking about it. And a good way to approach that is always to say, do you want me just to listen or do you want my advice or my opinion? And they'll tell you. That's one of the ways, one of those small little things that creates friction between men and women as we tend to think that oh, the other person's just like us. She said, what bothered me when he said, you'll learn to just leave me alone and walk away. And so I would say more than likely in that particular moment, 
you were trying to get him to talk because you thought you were being helpful and he just needed some time alone. But obviously him snapping at you and being a dick, you can just say, look, obviously you're upset. Maybe if you need, want some time alone in the man cave, great, but you don't need to be an asshole to me. I, I'm your girlfriend and I want you to be sweet and loving and kind to me. If you just say, honey, you know what? I just need some time alone right now. I got some shit going on I want to think about and figure out what I'm going to do. And when I'm ready to talk about it, I'll let you know. That's the proper way to let him know that, hey, don't be a fucking asshole to me because obviously you don't deserve him being a dick. She said, I thought, what the fuck? All we were doing was having a conversation. I said, I'm not going to leave you alone because you got your panties in a bunch. I looked him in the eye and said, if you think I'm the kind of girl who's going to walk away and back down, that's not going to happen. He looked at me and said, no one ever talks to me like that. Like I said, it would have been helpful. I would have definitely asked him in a nice, loving way not to snap at you and be an asshole and then say, if you just need time alone in the man cave, just tell me. I just need a few minutes alone. I need an hour alone. I got some shit on my mind I want to think about and when I'm ready to talk about it, I'll let you know. It ha- or it has nothing to do with you. I just need some time alone. I'm like, okay, honey. And just let him be. We also gained our love pounds and I've started the paleo lifestyle which I'll eventually turn into an alkaline eating plan. Most guys I've dated are into the same stuff but every chance he gets, he says, do you want chocolate? Do you want a cookie? Do you want chips? This is where it comes in to having similar goals, similar values because if you're in good shape and you like eating healthy and you like taking care of yourself, and then you're dating somebody who's not like that. I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, I had a, a girlfriend who – she was Latin. She was a fucking unbelievable cook. But she used to cook meals at like 11.30, 12 o'clock at night and she would cook things like fish or rice or some vegetables or something like that. And like when you eat late at night like that, I mean I remember it was – it's like it happened slowly over the course of a month or so. It was like, man, I gained like 10 fucking pounds because we were eating late all the time. But her food was – her cooking was so fucking good that – I mean little things like that. And when I first met her and we first started talking, she told me how she was really into health and self-help and personal development. And as I got to know her, her idea of working out was to get on a treadmill and walk for 10, 15 minutes two or three times a week. And that wasn't really healthy and like drinking – juicing vegetables. She had zero fucking – she's like, Ugh, I don't like the way it tastes. I don't want anything to do with that. But when I first started dating her, I just assumed that she would be into that stuff because she told me. She went out of her way to tell me how healthy she was. She was into this and into that. And as I got to know her, it was really more so that that's the way she saw herself but yet she really wasn't walking the talk. And on top of that, because our goals and our values from that particular perspective were not aligned, I mean think about it. We were, we were around each other all the time. It's like I want to get up and go to the gym. She's like, oh, I don't feel like it. Let's watch them. Let's go to a movie. Let's go eat dinner. Let's go have some lunch. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's go do something fun today. And it's just like, okay, I'll work out later. And that's what you tell yourself. Then a month later, boom, 10 pounds. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then she's making fun of me because I put on a little bit of weight. I'm like, what's kind of your fault? If you weren't such a fucking great cook, I wouldn't be eating the food late at night. But that's what happens. Little things like that. And the longer we did, 
it got to the point where it became a point of friction because she never wanted to work out at all. And so because I was with her, it had a negative effect on my workout schedule. Like those are little things that you don't think much of it, but you know, you spend several months with somebody and all of a sudden, boom, you gain 10 pounds. You're like, what the hell? It's like you become just like the other person. And if you can't motivate them to go to the gym with you, eventually somebody is going to win. So it's really, really, really important to date. I would say date for at least a year or two before you decide to move in together. Five months, I mean, a lot of times the honeymoon period is going to last for six to 12 months. And so it's way too, that's like when I first read this email, I was thinking, man, why would you move in after five months? That's crazy. Maybe it's subconscious, but all this making me is making me lose respect for him. He sees guys look at me all the time, so I think he's afraid of what I'll eventually look like. That's possible. But again, if he's not really a healthy person of working out, I mean, you got to look at how the person was before you got together with them. And it's true, some people, they, they take care of themselves and they work out, and as soon as they get into a relationship, what happens? It's like I was just talking to my, my one of my aunts earlier today, and we were talking about my dad and it's like both him and his girlfriend and it's like he's got like a little pot belly now it's like like what the fuck happened he's not not taking care of himself he's just fat and happy if you will in a relationship and it happens because his girlfriend is just not one to exercise she's more of like supposedly a healthy person but her idea of health is popping all these nutritional supplements it's like you can't pill pop your way to health in a great body but again, when you're living with somebody and you're around them 24-7, it's, you know, it's like one workout here, one workout there, a me- an unhealthy meal here, an unhealthy meal there. Then six months, a year later, you haven't been in the gym in three or four weeks. You're eating crap all the time and it just happens slowly. It's like the analogy of the frog and the hot pot of boiling water. The frog will jump right out of boiling water pot but if you put them in warm water – and you slowly turn up the heat, he'll stay in there and boil to death. She says, plus it makes me think our lifestyles aren't as in sync as I thought. It happens. Remember, you're attracted to each other and when you really care about somebody, you're emotionally invested. And then what does your brain do? I really like this person. They're this or that. It's so wonderful. And your brain looks for reasons to justify your emotions. And you bullshit yourself. We all do it. The key is to keep the self-bullshitting to a minimum. And the more you date and the more relationships that you have over time, the more breakups. Because like when you're younger and you haven't had a lot of relationships, a breakup is like a really scary, traumatic thing. But you you get to be 46 years old and I've had a lot of different relationships over the course of my life. And like they still hurt when a, when a relationship ends but at the end of the day, you get better at dealing with it and it gives you confidence that when you realize that sometimes a relationship has just run its course, it's a lot easier to let go because most people, just like I talked about in my book, that's why I went ahead and got married to my first wife even though I should have never married her in the first place. But I was terrified that if I ended the relationship, I'd never find anybody better. Because she was the first real girlfriend that I'd ever had. 
And since I didn't have a lot of experience with somebody that really loved me and really wanted to be with me, I was in a scarcity mindset. But at this point in my life, when it gets to a point where the relationships run its course or the goals and values aren't there, it's a lot easier to, to be honest with myself and say, you know what, it doesn't serve me, it doesn't serve her to stay together. And then she says, and he keeps everything. He can't declutter. And this is something – I've always been a, like a really clean, neat person. And something I always pay attention to when I first start dating somebody is I look at, I look at her car. What's it like? If it's really neat and clean, that's a great sign. It means her house is usually going to be neat and clean. But if there's shit everywhere, it's like she's a messy person. I will not date a, a messy woman. I just absolutely won't do it because that drives me up a fucking wall. It was funny growing up. I'm a, I'm a very neat or well-organized person. Like my brother, he's the exact opposite. He'd make himself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. He'd leave the peanut butter on the counter. He'd just lay the knife down on the counter. with still peanut butter. would get all over the counter. Same thing with the jelly. Leaving the counter. He'd leave the loaf of bread open. And he'd just walk away and go outside and go play. And it's like you know, and he'd leave half the all the, every cabinet door that he opened that he took stuff out of, the doors are open. Sometimes a refrigerator door would be hanging open. It was a trip. That drove me nuts when we were growing up because I was always like to have things in order. I like to be clean. It's really fucking important, especially if you're gonna live with somebody that if you're both if you're a clean person that you'd only date and live with people that are clean because it's just not gonna work. Being with somebody, if you're a neat freak and you're with somebody who's a total fucking slob, you're going to drive each other up the wall and thinking that you're going to change them. It's stupid. It's just not going to happen. It's the same thing. If you're a really good communicator and then you date somebody who's not, who tends to just let problems lie or tends to run away from the problems or just says, I don't want to talk about it and you're a communicator, that will drive you up a fucking wall. But it's like having inner strength. When you know, even though it will hurt, that you have the strength to end a relationship because you know it's just a matter of time before you find somebody else of equal or better quality, then you're more likely to end a relationship versus staying one that sucks. My attraction for him is up and down like a roller coaster. One of my girlfriends said, you know when your boyfriend still gives you butterflies? And I said, no, I don't get butterflies. Sometimes I'm more attracted to strangers which is a reminder of how I don't feel that way towards him anymore. Interesting. I even made him buy your book when we first met and the response was, yeah, he has some good stuff to say. Well, think about it. You're a growth-oriented person. You're into self-help. Obviously, you've had me coaching you on and off for several years and you're still here. You're still watching videos. You're still learning. You're still trying to get better. And you trying to get him to be somebody that's into self-help when he's not, you're just better off dating somebody from the get-go that's into self-help. But also people that say they're into self-help, you got to make sure that they actually are into it, not somebody that says they want to be in it because I've come across that in the past as well. But that's why you date as opposed to just meeting somebody and moving right in and getting married. You know, dating somebody is like a test drive. It's like test driving a car. And obviously, before you decide to buy a car, like when it comes to living with somebody, or you want, 
before you move in, you, you want to test drive it for at least a year because it's a lot easier to walk away and end it when you realize that the goals and values are not aligned. The key is to get better at recognizing it so you can pull the ripcord and get the fuck out. I more or less feel like a maid and a cook and the sex is like three times a month. I love him but I don't think I'm in love. Things are just off. I want your opinion. Well, like I said, just from what you shared so far, he's a hoarder. He's a messy person. Obviously, you're a neat freak. That ain't going to fucking work. It also sounds like the communication styles aren't there. You're a growth-oriented, self-help-oriented type person and he's not. It's just like, oh, yeah, he's got some good things to say. The book goes in the back of the closet. It's just like any of you that are really passionate about my work and you've told all your friends, if you've got 10 really close friends and you tell them about it, you'll be lucky if one of them's like, yeah, I got to get that book. But all your good friends all say, oh, yeah, I should read that book. And six months later, they're like, yeah, I really should get around to reading that book. And then they just don't do it. Like attracts like. One of the things that I noticed like in my 20s and up till I was 31, 32, I mean, I like to drink. I like to party. And I did a lot of it. But when I got to the point in my life where I just – I really didn't want to drink that much anymore and I wasn't into it. And it's like all my friends that I had in my life that I hung out with socially, the overwhelming majority of them were like, hey, man, let's go out. Let's go party. Dude, let's get a VIP table. I'm like, no, man. I'm just going to hang with my girlfriend tonight. You know, we're going to hang out with our daughter and just chill out. And Oh, come on, dude. You're no fun anymore. It's like I just wasn't motivated to do it. And it's like as you grow and you evolve in life, you know, those people just fall by the wayside. When I think about the five – my five closest friends that I have, two of them are high school buddies. I've known them for over 30 years now at this point in my life. I've got one friend that I've been friends with. She and I have been friends for 23, 24 years. We have similar goals, similar values. Our birthdays are like a week apart. She completely gets me. I completely get her. I mean, just like we were like that from the, the time we met. Similar goals, similar values. We met working at the same company. Like when, I, when we were both married, her, my ex-wife's parents were best friends with her ex-husband's parents. They used to hang out socially. We used to laugh about the shit that went on between you know, the families and the things that we each went through because both of their our, – our ex's parents, our ex-mother and father-in-laws were really big into Fort Lauderdale society and all that kind of stuff and both of us were just down-to-earth people and weren't into that. I have another one of my really closest friends. His background, he's a former special forces guy, Green Beret, very successful in the real estate and the construction industry. He's a developer. So we have a lot in common there. He and I, we've been friends for about 12 years now. I had another friend of mine, very successful, worked with AOL back in the day. He walked away. He was one of those guys. I, I wrote an article several years ago called From Zero to 40 million, I think in five years or something like that, where I detail a strategy that he used to make all that money when he left AOL and, he, and the guy that he learned it from that, that taught him that. And it's just like little things like that. And I was just talking to him recently 
And it's like one of the things I like hanging about him is he's you know we we'll get together and hang out and go to lunch and stuff and talk about the mysteries of life. We talk about just the purpose. Talk about a lot of spiritual things and and it's like when I think about all my closest friends, I have one of them. He still likes to drink and party a lot on the weekends, but it's just with him and his family. But he's got a, a great marriage and a, and a great wife, and they've been together for twenty something years, and they've only had. About seven arguments the whole time they've been together. But it's like so like, I look at the friends that I ha- that are really close that have kind of stood the test of time. And like I said, all those people I used to hang out with that partied and drank all the time, a lot of them, they still do that shit. It's like I have no fucking interest in that. And so it's like sometimes you got – if you want to become better, you got to have people in your life that share the same goals and share the same values. Because it's you know it's like when I hit thirty one thirty two, and I wanted to chill more, and you know if I was gonna drink, I might have a few beers here and there. That was about it. And like all those friends, if I was still hanging out with people like that, you're like, all right, I'll meet you out for a beer. You go, you meet him out for a beer, second beer, third beer. Oh, dude, let's one shot, man, just one shot. Come on, man, one shot. And next thing you know, ten, twelve beers later, three or four shots later, you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, my fucking head hurts. I got a hangover. It just doesn't work. You got to have people that are around you that you're that are that have the same goals, that have the same values. So let's go through the second email. This is where she kind of gives an update. She says, "Hey Corey, I know you're busy, so don't worry about answering my email if you get to it. I broke up with my boyfriend a month after I emailed you. I was ignoring the obvious and knew I was settling." If I didn't know your work, I probably would have stayed a lot longer than I should have. Actually, because I know your work, I should have run in the beginning of LOL. So thanks for everything you do. What's the whole point? The idea is to get better. In the past, you would have stayed with a guy a lot longer than this. Just remember what I say all the time. Just try to get a little better each and every day. And even though this was a difficult circumstance for she got better. She's improved from where she once was years ago when I first started working with her. I mean, she spent five months, I guess about six months with this particular dude. And the idea is what's interesting is that the way the universe tends to work is when it brings somebody into your life that you have to deal with certain flaws that you may have. And you may think, great, now I'm done with that energy. I'll never date somebody like that again. I know what to look for. And then five, ten years down the road, you start dating somebody and an energy that you thought you were done with. In other words, you're like you get used to dating people that are really great communicators and you just kind of start taking that for granted. Five, ten years down the road, you start dating somebody everything's great and you're just used to only great communicators coming into your life and then you notice – Wait a minute, this new person I'm dating, they're not very good at communicating. Like, oh, but it'll be okay. Because I've all, you know, I, I haven't dated anybody like that in a long time. And then, you know, the months go by and then you realize that's a real problem. People that communicate in a healthy way, you can talk to them and ask them to treat you in a certain way. They'll understand where you're coming from and they'll do it because they care. But people that don't have good communication skills, they tend to get pissed off at you. They give you the silent treatment. They say, I don't want to talk about it. If something's bothering them, they don't talk about it. And it's like, 
you think, what the fuck? I thought I was done with this kind of energy. I got a woman I dated a few years ago and I remember at the time I was really busy. I mean I was answering several dozen emails a week from paying clients. I was doing 12 plus four – so I think I was doing four – I remember I was doing like four days a week of phone sessions. So it was like 16, 18 hours a week of phone sessions. Plus I was doing a lot of videos at the time. And it was just and it, it was just me and I had my web developers. So as far as my coaching business and everything else, I was doing a lot myself. And so I met this woman. Everything was great. We started dating. And because I was in a stressed place in my life, just because I was, you know, I tend to to take on. In other words, I tend to bite off more than I can chew at times. And I was in a stressful place in my life, and I didn't really realize how much stress I was under and then I started dating this woman who wasn't the greatest communicator and I, and on top of that, that just added instead of being easy to get along with, things were difficult and a struggle when I'm already stressed out now I got a woman that I'm in a relationship with who's not the greatest communicator and tends to stonewall and it wasn't until a year or so after the relationship had ended that I was able to look at it and go, oh, it makes total sense why I attracted this woman in my life because I was in a stressful place. So instead of attracting a woman and remember like attracts like. So because I was in a stressful place, I attracted a woman into my life who would add to that stress. And the gift in that for me personally was to realize that you know what I need to I need to not do so much coaching and and have other people I can delegate some of this stuff away and and I hired some new people to take some responsibility away from me and I stopped doing some things that I had been doing in the past and I got myself into a more peaceful and relaxed state and that's kind of the way the universe works. It's really a reflection. Our outer world tends to be a reflection of our inner world. It's really important to notice that and it's like you know, once you're out of like in this particular case here, it's like she's going to have to look at this and say, well, you know, why would I attract somebody like this into my life who I'm a clean person and this guy is kind of a slob? In other words, what obvious signs were there in the beginning that I ignored and why did I ignore those signs? What was going on in my life that blinded me to that reality? And typically if there's an imbalance somewhere in your life, you're going to attract whether it's a friendship or maybe even a client or a group of clients into your life or somebody to date into your life that is going to accentuate that imbalance that you have in your life. It's one of the ways the universe tends to get our attention and says, hey, you need to, you need to put your focus over here on this and you've got an area of your life that you need to work on. And it's really magnificent how the universe works to communicate that stuff through you in the way that people come into your life. Definitely something to think about. So if you'd like to get my help personally, go to my website, click the products tab at the top of your screen and just follow the instructions for booking whichever coaching option works best for you. And also, if you're one of the people that are waiting for me to get my audiobook done, it's now available on iTunes and it's also available on audible.com. And so if you if you do the audible.com, you can get my audiobook for free. And if you want to just buy it outright, it's like $14.95 depending on whether you get it at iTunes 
or Amazon and you know depending on what country you're in obviously the way the dollars convert but I will talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.